0: Wall after wall of unvarying blankness makes me kind of tired. Can't we stop to rest for a while?
1: I have to admit, that would be a good idea. We got lost four times on the way here, and I wanted to check those boxes for some healing supplies anyways.
2: I'd agree with you guys, but if we stop, the reporter can catch up. These people are absolutely insane. Being with them resembles the effect of an acid trip without the front parts. A giant crab creeping around a corner. A skeleton crawling up from under the dirt. ...fairies flying every which way... two-haired abominations that spit fire and ice... ...flying jellyfish with the power of, a, of lightning... ...face slamming into wall repeatedly... ...ow. See,
3: guys, how are we ever going to bring back peace... ...with him yammering in our ears?
0: We're out of breath because we tried to outrun him. Just because he alerted the last three bosses to our present... ...with his constant narration, we're out of breath?
1: Uh, yeah, and it just happened again... This time it's a giant snail, and it's kicking our asses. Oh,
3: I never thought a snail could be so tough.
1: He's just a wee lad, but he ate my legs. Ah!
0: Speak for your legs, then. Oh well, I'm dead.
1: You moron. Why aren't you over here looking at my body coming apart? You did this to me!
0: system cannot be
2: brought down by one. At least not this kind of one. I am the run of the world is clearly my task. I want to take it after this mescaline mixed with mushrooms and PCP it takes effect. No fetus creature will dare try to eat me with these things in my system.
3: Wrap on your swords, ready your spells. You're about to enter the heart of a dungeon filled with computer and console RPGs from way back when, right up through yesteryear. To get you through this maze that's dripping with danger, we've gathered the best men and women from RPGamer to watch your back. Some of you have never entered this area before, you're in for quite a fight. For others, this return visit can only be described as an RPG backtrack. Here are the party leaders for this expedition, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 59, Deep Light Dungeons. This week we're going to be taking a look at the first two person, wait, two first person, yeah, Shining Games, and we're going to cover, wait, wait, we are going to cover a few weeks prior. But i got to stop reading your notes, Minky, you're getting me in trouble. Man, you're supposed to put some narration on here for me, man.
2: Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get right on that.
3: There. There you go. You get on top of that. To help keep Mr. Minky in line, we've got two shining guests with us today. First up, the beautiful, the awesome Anna Marie
1: Neufeld. See, I don't get introductions like that on the RPG guest.
3: Mm-mm. And coming back for his eighteenth appearance on my iPhone, Mr Michael iPhone Apps. Chirp. Chirp. Did you disappear, Mike? I guess he did. Oh my gosh, Whoops. I thought I just insulted him I away. My mute on. I apologize. <laughs> he actually took a little while to load up on the phone there. How are you doing tonight, Mr. Michael apps? Good, I was hoping you weren't gonna do another iPhone pun. Yeah, too bad. <laughs> That's a shame you forgot what show you're on. Only Anna gets the nice introductions. And of course my good friend and partner in crime, Mr. Mike Minky. how are you doing tonight?
2: i oh, kick
1: ass for the Lord!
3: <laughs> okay, I'm staying out of your way. Uh, and I am, as always, your host, Phil Willis. And we are going to be talking, well I won't be doing too much talking myself but uh, till the end, but we're going to be talking about Shining Games, huh? So you guys have tortured yourselves, geared up for this discussion?
1: I have. Mr. has, I
3: have. Wow. Awesome. So we're going to be able to talk about a couple of Shining games. I know a lot of people, like myself, big fans of uh, the Shining 4 series, played it on the Genesis, uh, played the port on my Game Boy Advance or DS or whatever it was. I think it was my Game Boy Advance, actually. Um Good for you. Yay, I remembered, And then I remember playing a PlayStation 2 one. Are we talking about that at some point in the future, Mr. Minky?
2: I suppose I'll probably throw pretty much all of the Shining games that came after Shining Force 3 together into some big lot, because I don't think any of them will individually prompt much talk. <laughs> mm. But uh, today we're actually going to talking about two of the older games, right? Yeah, the very first one, the one that actually predates even Shining Force 1, and... It's spiritual successor on the Saturn Which Because it's on the Saturn very few people have played But they're missing out So both of these absolutely exciting Because
3: a lot of people have never heard of them Have never seen them uh, And even less people are actually talking about them today So this will will be an exciting podcast So uh, while I go Find something interesting and adult oriented To drink We'll be uh, putting on some beautiful Shining in the darkness music for you And we'll be right back Mr. Minky yes. do you know how
2: I tell a role-playing game is really really awesome? You have a lot of tests. I remember that your Grandia 3 test involved being able to hit them into the air and that was enough
3: Yeah but now now back it but you know let's let's go back to uh, let's say oh I don't know 1991. Okay, we didn't have game reviews. I mean, we did, you had those magazines here and there, but I was way too poor to afford uh, magazine subscriptions. I had to save all my money for video games, after all. So I'm in the store. I've got a Sega
2: Genesis. I'm
3: trying to decide Red, whether Well,
2: read Game Pro when it gave Bubsy a five out of five for fun. Oh jeez.
3: <laughs> so I'm looking at the shelf, and I'm trying, and I see this one game, and it looks like an RPG. But what really makes it stick out from all the other ones? Oh, let me tell you, the fact that it says. Role-playing game on the front of the box.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. The best part was it actually says role-playing games. Games, yeah. <laughs> it's pluralized.
3: <laughs> I'm thinking I'm gonna get like two or three in one when I look at this box. What's up with that? Do I do I do I get two or three games or is it only
2: one?
1: Well, if you play it more than once, oh. then
2: yes, you get more than one game.
3: <laughs>
1: However, why you would want to play this game more than once, I'm not entirely certain. <laughs>
3: Our audience out there must be wondering what we're talking about. We are talking about Shining in the Darkness for your Sega Genesis 16-bit awesome system. This is developed by Climax uh, Entertainment and Sonic Software Planning and uh, published by Sega. This was released in North America on August 6, 1991. And uh, this is a single-player RPG experience rated E for you. Oh, I'm sorry. I kind of took that for mana.
2: Waited. It has a rating.
3: Yeah, sure. that must have been retroactively applied. Woohoo! Well, for the virtual well, console, yeah, because it's
1: been because it's been re-released yeah. in modern times. So. Because
3: this is also on the virtual console, right?
1: Yeah, it's virtual and, console uh, and so many Steam Genesis compilations. Yeah, so it's like Steam, 360, PS3, um, Virtual Console, um, your mom. You know now, what's really Anywhere that saw anywhere that these hey, uh, the wrong, not collections my mom. have been re-released. <laughs> no, not my mom. She doesn't play enough of these games. Um, but you know, anywhere that the, the Genesis collections have been re released, you'll find Shining in the Darkness and one of them. It's on Gamersgate too. And it was actually Gamersgate before it was on Steam. And what's really
3: cool was oh. that this is this was distributed on an eight megabit cartridge. I love that they say bit at the end, which means divide that by eight, you got one megabyte. Awesome! One megabyte of glory. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do anything with the megabyte these days. I I, I don't even know. <laughs> what do you do with you one get megabyte? sixty seconds of an MP3 file? I, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe not even a full sixty seconds, because <laughs> depending be upon close. how yeah, the high compression. Yeah. But this is not the compression track. This is the RPG backtrack. So who would like to kick off this discussion
2: about shining in the darkness? Sounds like Anna remembers a fair amount. All
1: right, Anna, go with the story. Go. <laughs> well, here's the funny thing: is is I, I actually did some research before before we did this podcast, and you know, I remember the translation being really ambivalent in this, but I didn't realize they actually mistranslated the the title to boot. Because apparently, the the correct oh. Japanese is "Shining and the Darkness," <laughs> as opposed to "Shining in the Darkness." Although, oh, it's Yeah. Um. The other thing is, is um. This is supposed to tie into some of the other games in the series but because um the names are mistranslated um the actual um connection is is really um shaky because there's um there there's the main villain he's called Dark Soul and that's um the same name as um the the big bad guy in shining force 1 but it's never really elaborated on how that particularly works so it's even though this is the first game lore wise it actually is the fourth game in the series really
2: yeah i gather that all of the early shining plots were knitted together in shining force final conflict and this is uh okay So this Dark Soul is the son or in some form of the Dark Soul in Shining Force 1 and he is actually the final boss of Final Conflict and then he goes into hibernation or something and comes back for this game. Again, Final Conflict is a Japanese Game Gear exclusive so if you want to play it, be my guest. I haven't done that yet. But based solely around its own plot Shining in the Darkness is decent for a 1991 first-person dungeon crawler, which means that nowadays you're going to have some questions that will likely not be adequately answered.
1: The plot is about as thick as a piece of cardboard. But at the same time, this was one of the... Sorry, what? I
0: said, I don't know. Cardboard can be pretty thick.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. I mean, the thing... That we have to, start- to remember is that this was really one of the first role-playing games that we saw.
2: Yeah, this predates the Super Nintendo. What, yeah. what video game plots like in
1: 1991? Um <laughs> dost thou love me? But thou must. <laughs> that that was pretty much the extent of plot before.
2: I, darling, will uh, knock you all down.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. Looking back at it, you know, more than twenty years later, it, it's easy to say that the plot is superfluous. But um, putting it into where it comes from, it 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 was particularly groundbreaking. So you know, that was the cool thing. Um so it is like a dungeon crawler and it's all first person exploration. Um it actually does have a fair amount of um story to it for for all the depth that story has. Um and it it actually plays a lot like um Dragon Quest with icons is is the way that I think um, best describes it so you run into encounters and it's that first person mode um, and you have your hit points up at the top and down at the bottom instead of a menu um, it's action buttons and you can attack or use magic or defend Um, the thing that I think really stood out for me and I I sort of take back um, my my you know Snyder mark on replayability is there is a, a big, big, big optional quest in the game to um, rescue how many characters? Two?
2: Let me think here. Uh, yeah, there's one guy in uh, one of the levels of the Trial Caves who accompanies you for a while and can actually be mildly helpful and there's another guy who shows up the third of the fourth floor and accompanies you for a while until you watch out of the dungeon and he's not very helpful. Is
1: there a third one?
2: Well, okay. This is actually a twist for 1991 standards. When you rescue the princess, that's not the end of the game. She actually joins you until you leave the dungeon. And while she isn't particularly helpful, she can land hits because she acts as a fourth party member who isn't on screen and can't be hit but sometimes decides to attack things anyway
1: so the thing that was cool is back in 1991 the fact that the story the end of the game changed based on whether you a rescued these people and b brought them back to safety um that was huge i i can't think of any other game that that did that before that certainly not an rpg so that was cool that was the thing that 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 stood apart for me in that game. I haven't played it again recently. I played it when I was obviously much, much younger. And uh, my, my brother got much further than I did, and I remember watching him play it. So, yeah.
2: yeah. Well, let's see. I played it recently, and... I encountered the fact that many people seem to rank this among the best games on the Genesis, which I just can't understand, but I can only accept. Weren't you looking at the
0: review? Weren't you looking at the forum when I posted my review of it? I think I was. I I think I tried to block out the memories. (laughs) Just like I tried to block out memories of this game. It's not that bad. Jeez. Well,
1: the thing yeah. that I didn't like about this game, and it's the thing that drives me crazy about Fantasy Star Two, is the lack of map.
0: Yes.
1: No map? Forget about it. I- I'm going to get lost. I mean, even in games that I do have a map, I get lost. I mean, and <laughs> I'll talk about that when we talk about shining in the darkness. <laughs> well, or, here's, um, here's or the last... shining the holy ark, I should say. Yeah. Um,
2: the thing about playing in the darkness nowadays is that you can just have this wonderful thing called game facts open and look at the maps there and you can go ah, yeah ah.
1: yeah i mean when I, I actually received the 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 genesis collection that has this in it um and i was playing at home so i had my two monitors up and that's literally what i had i had the left <laughs> screen had the map up and the right screen i was playing the game and i can't imagine playing it any other way and i'm like I'm not anti-fac or anything like that, but I'm pretty, like, I'd rather do it on my own. But that was like, no, I'm going to pull it up. There we go. Let's play. So. I mean, you
0: pretty much have to. I mean, the, the just the, the design of the dungeons is just so nondescript. <laughs> unless you're sitting there graphing where the heck you're going, you could just wander around for hours. And those, and the maps
2: on GameFAQs even point out the traps. Like those things that spin you around 270 times oh, no. <laughs> or the pits in the floor. And yes, but okay. So you go into the first floor of the dungeon, and everything looks pretty much the same except for the occasional torch on the wall or whatnot. Then you go down to the four cavern trials that you must pass before you can get any further into the dungeon. And all four of those basement levels look the same. Then you get up then you finally get upstairs and oh it looks exactly the same as the first floor, the third floor, the fourth floor, they all look the same as the first floor, just with palette swaps. The fifth floor does look a little different. But again, it gets kind of old by the time you're through exploring the place. So nine floors total. They share three looks, and only one floor has a unique look. Ooh. Uh. Though, again, for 1991, that was not bad. You could have had exactly one look for the entirety of the game. And it does start a little slow, as in you have exactly one character who can attack and use items. And (laughs) he can hold exactly eight items, including his equipment. So you better hope the enemies don't drop too much. And once you beat the first boss, then you can go back to town and get Pyra and Milo, which helps enormously because now you have three people and two of them can use magic.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of the biggest barrier to entry for this game. You know, it, it just starts off so, so slowly because, you know, the battles are so boring. But, you know, once, once you get the other characters, it gets a little better.
1: The thing that I really like about this game is I I didn't start the Shining series with this. I actually played the Shining Force games before I played this. So it is always cool to go back and play these games and have like that very iconic Shining Force menu and yeah. have the iconic Shining Force sound effects and going to the priest to save. And I just I love that. I go back into it. I'm just like, hee hee hee.
2: And it must be said, this is the first game in the Shining series, and like all of them that Camelot did, you never die. If you get your ass handed to you in the dungeon, then you just pop back at the church, and you, yes, you have to revive your people, but you don't die, you just lose half your money. Which which is, again, another thing like Dragonfort, Dragon Quest, but uh, I'm fine with that. I'd rather be popped back to the priest minus half my money than... Minus a couple of hours I just spent in the dungeon after something got lucky and killed me. Do they have like a bank where you can store your money periodically? Like,
1: no. Oh, so it really <laughs> is half your money.
2: No, but then yeah. again, by towards the end of the game, you will have far more money than you need because the shop the shop stops stocking new stuff unless you get mithril and have it crafted. Ah, cool. And let me rephrase, Let me restate the clunkiness of the inventory. Yes, you have three people. There is a total of 24 sp- inventory slots between them, and each of them can equip four things. So that's 12 open slots once they're all equipped with their stuff. Oh. Plus, if you expect to go back into certain areas of the dungeon, and you will need to, you can't sell those keys. Each key takes up a full inventory slot. Plus the orb that you need to knock down the the camouflaged wall and some other things that I'm not remembering right now, but there are many keys and you can't get rid of all of them. You can't get rid of them immediately. Especially since you're probably going to be making more than one trip into each part of the dungeon. Sounded like you were remembering some horror stories there, Mr. Abs. Ugh.
0: uh, Mostly I just remember trying to find anything in the, in the damn game. Cause I mean, I played this before we had the glorious game facts. So, you know, and I, I wasn't one to sit there and draw maps. So I would just kind of wander around until I found where I needed to go, which as you can imagine was not a lot of fun.
2: <laughs> yes. I did try to play this once back before I had internet access and, uh, I, I didn't get very far.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but I mean if you're one to play this kind of game and you do draw all the maps, maybe, you know, you'd have a, a much better experience with it. Yeah. But you know, still it that seems like a that's a lot of work to do to try and play a game. You know, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be something you do to relax.
2: Some people seem to like drawing maps to relax.
0: I guess. I mean, I enjoy it in the Etrian Odyssey games, but, you know, but in that case, it's integrated into the game.
2: Yeah, and here, get the graph paper. You're going to need it. Yep. Now, there are a few enemy. well, like a 1991 first-person dungeon crawler would be. It's full of random encounters. Yes. uh, there weren't many things other than random encounters in 1991. So that's not exactly surprising, but there are a few enemies that don't just pop up randomly in your face. There are some puddles out of which evil seahorses appear. (laughs) They hurt. Those seahorses are mean. And late in the game, you refight what I think was a boss that, Crawls its way out of the dirt underneath your underneath your feet, and there are some crabs that crawl around from corners. So you can see the seeds of what would become Holy Ark system in, in a few of the enemies here.
0: Yeah, Most, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a nice system, as I'm sure we'll talk about when we talk about Holy Ark.
2: But mostly, you're just going to be wandering around and. Sometimes the enemies won't appear for a good two, three minutes. Sometimes they'll appear every step. <laughs> it's our old friend, the super random encounter rate. Uh, it's to start meeting enemies that can use D-Soul on the second floor. Boy, those are fun.
1: Twitch. Twitch. Twitch.
2: But if you get up to the fifth floor and do... What was it? You needed to take a goblet full of the Princess's Tears up to a certain fountain. And if you use it there, then you gain a a station that will heal you an unlimited number of times. So just wander around and grind, and I ground and ground and ground and ground until I was (laughs) 79, I think. Wow. And then I marched in and fought Dark Soul, and he was definitely stronger than any other boss in the game, but I beat him into the dirt within two minutes. (laughs) even after he called on the powers of darkness and got stronger and speaking of sorry. (laughs) well yes you'd think the powers of darkness would have made him stronger immediately but nope he had to call on them specifically to fulfill the pact whatever it was and at least you do see dark soul a few times before the end of the game That was not a guarantee in 1991 for your final bosses. He'll appear and I think he actually asks you to join him once and then he immediately says, oh, I didn't think you would join me. Ha 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 ha. Then I will just kill you. (laughs) But you do see him a couple of times. Just enough to learn that he's evil, he wants to conquer the the kingdom and uh, he can transform into somebody who was a traitor, but that's completely ignored in favor of him just being evil
0: <laughs> so so let me get this straight. He gives you the choice to join him, but it's ultimately a meaningless choice
2: <laughs> right he doesn't you don't even get one of those yes no choices that Camelot would throw into so many later games. It's just, oh, I didn't think you would join me.
0: <laughs> so this is the origin of meaningless choice in Camelot's games.
2: Might be. I I can't even call it a choice though, because no (laughs) icon pops up. It's just, he's delivering a monologue where he offers the chance to join him and then immediately retracts it because he realizes that you're not going to do
0: it. (laughs) All right. That's pretty funny. Um,
2: and of course this is a Camelot protagonist. So you never speak whatever, whatever his name was, uh, did he even have a name? I think he did. If you look around, but I can't remember what it was. Did it start with B? It might have. I want to say it was Brian, but that doesn't sound right.
1: No, I know that the that the there was Pyro and Milo, and those were your two friends. Yep. And I don't remember the name of – I don't think – I think you just named him. I I it was he does name have he a name
2: if you look around, but you have to dig for it. Just like unless you dug a little bit, you would never know that your hero's name was Max in the first Shining Force.
1: Yeah, that's true. That I, I will agree with that.
2: But for Pyra and Milo, here's the neat little thing. Again, this is interesting for 1991 and still interesting today. Pyra's mom and Milo's dad come out and beg their kids to come back. No, don't do this. You're stupid. Don't go in there and get killed. And then they hang around in the inn afterwards just to keep nagging you every time you go back to rest. (laughs) It's silly, but it's unique. Most games don't show the parents of your characters nagging at them. Don't do this. You're idiots if you're going out and getting killed almost.
1: Yeah, the only one the only other game that I can think of that does that is Grandia.
2: Yes, with Justin's impossibly young mother.
1: Yeah. That's a little creepy. <laughs> However, that is a conversation for another backtrack. I
2: think we already had it.
1: Oh, my bad.
2: Okay, what else is there to say about in the darkness?
1: The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness <laughs> had not understood it.
2: Let's see other other things that would be uh, expanded upon in later Camelot games.
1: Hmm. The ugly type font.
2: <laughs> I think we can blame Sega of America for that.
1: Fair enough.
0: But can blame since... Sega of America for a lot of things.
2: Yeah, and that would turn into not even necessarily a backtrack. That could be a current track that goes back over twenty years.
0: Yes. Damn, you said you though. bring over that obscure Master System game I wanted. Oh, uh, never mind that. What about seven? Uh, you know what? I'm not. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to stop there. Not going to get my force feather. That's pretty real. Yeah. What about that? Yeah. Aww. Aww.
2: That's a good game, I'm here to tell you. But you already knew that. Um, okay, let's see here.
1: I think it might be time to move on to the next entry. What? Get
3: out. I don't know. I'm having so much fun with this one. So,
2: so... You sampled it once upon a time, Phil?
3: No, I don't... No, because I don't have it on the Wii console. And... um as it, much as I love the Sega that, Genesis, it, I didn't keep it past much past 94,
2: 95. You didn't have to. You could have played this when it was new.
3: Yeah. yeah. No. Rack no. your
2: brain. I'm sure you'll come up with something. No. No.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Just say no. So, so, Mr. Minky, what's your final bottom line verdict on this
2: game? You know, I had fun in fleeting stretches during it, but I was also frustrated a lot of the time. Now, my experience coming to it today doesn't seem to jive with a, what a lot of people who apparently have made it one of their favorite Genesis titles would tell you. And I'm certainly not going to say to those people, you did not have fun and you did not experience a great game because if you, in fact, did experience these things... More power to you. I will say that pretty much everyone who acclaims this game so much probably hasn't played its spiritual successor. And until you've done so, uh, you haven't seen what Camelot can really do with the first-person dungeon format.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How about you, Miss Anna?
1: Not worth your time unless you're playing with maps
0: and Mr. Wheels uh, it's a nice little history lesson you know if you're a fan of Camelot's games but you know this is kind of typical for first-person dungeon crawlers that they don't really seem to age that well um, you know they, they've just continually improved as they put nicer user-friendly features into them so it, it if you've never played it before it's going to be really hard to play so if you want to play it, don't spend very much for it.
3: Mm. Okay, fair enough. Well, we're going to take a brief hiatus. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. This next, game, this next game isn't an RPG. Because, How do you determine that? Because I'm looking at the box cover, and it doesn't say role-playing games on the front. Now, it does say a Sega exclusive. It's got a guy holding a sword. But there's no real indication this is an RPG here, my friend.
2: Okay, I'm looking at the box to Lufia 2 over here, and it also doesn't say RPG on the front. You have to look on the back cover. Oh,
3: so you point. got another first-person shooter there. What's your problem? This is the RPG backtrack, not the FPS backtrack.
2: Okay. You know where Shining the Holy Ark says it's an RPG? On the back cover. I just looked at the box. I don't know. Don't they have a scan of the box where you're
3: looking? Uh, Yeah, well, the front of the box. I don't think they took the time to do the back. I mean, if it's not on the front, who wants to look at the back? I mean, you're looking at these things on the shelf from the front. You need to put the best information there, right there, bam, where everybody can see
2: it. Well, Phil, you know what that means? It's time to write a retroactive letter to Sega of American complain. Yes. telling them to bring back the uh, Saturn? Exactly. All right. We we're talking about
3: the Sega...
1: Steer. Sega. Yeah, dears. If you ever make a system again. Please do not be stupid morons. Copy protection should go on the inside of the disc, which is least likely to be damaged, as opposed to the outside edge of the disc, which is most likely to be damaged. <laughs> no love. Everybody who happens to drop their game and can never play it again.
3: <laughs> how do you really feel, Anna?
1: <laughs> Would you like- I love
0: my Saturn.
2: There ...about how Sega should not spring its console launch as a surprise to everyone and irritate store owners who didn't hear about it more than 24 hours beforehand.
0: Oh boy, Sega.
1: (laughs) Sega. Oh, Sega. (laughs) (laughs) When you do a
2: console transition, don't leave an entire year of dead space, during which you release nothing at all, even though you have plenty of options. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) Gonna have to throw a
3: flag on the field. This is is not the console backtrack. (laughs) We've gotten off on a tangent. Let's focus on what's important here. Let's focus on Shining the Holy Ark. Developed by Sonic Software Publishing. Published here in North America by Sega of America. This is a console single player RPG, even though it doesn't say so on the box. For your very <laughs> the pack. for your very precious Sega Saturn system. This was released here in
1: North America on June thirtieth, nineteen ninety seven. Where they made 16 copies, 10 of which went to a used shoe store. And every once in a while, they dug up a copy and sold it to some schmuck that happened to be walking by. <laughs> there was not enough copies of this game. <laughs> what? Not enough oh, no. copies? Oh, I have to look at that now. See, that, that just...
2: And even so, Anna, this is not one of the most expensive Saturn games you can search for in the used market.
1: I know, and this is the funny thing is, is it's things like... um. Oh, what's that ridiculous price game? That's like five hundred dollars. Panzer Dragoon Saga. Saga. It had a run that was like triple some of these other games, and yet it's like how expensive.
3: Yeah, I've got a, uh, I've got a couple
1: of these uh, Shining
3: Holy Ark deals going on here for about thirty five bucks.
1: I know that's the scary part. Now here is the thing that I love about Shining the Holy Ark. Shining the Holy Ark takes everything that was good about Shining in the Darkness, and kept it. And it took everything that sucked about Shining in the Darkness and fixed it.
0: Hmm. I'd agree with that. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I'd say that this game does a few things that I have yet to see any other game in the first-person crawler genre do. Mostly the pixie stuff, but...
1: Intuitive map.
2: Yeah,
1: I love the The map. map, for all its simplicity, is awesome.
2: I use that thing so often.
1: I know, and... Sorry, pardon me. Um, I like the fact that the game takes advantage of almost every single button on the Saturn controller. Every button has a use.
2: It may not seem like much, but the ability to move from side to side without having to turn by holding down... Is it B? I think it's B. That can be so helpful in saving you some time.
1: Particularly if you're peeking around a corner looking for a chest... Yep. On figuring out what's a dead end and what's an actual passageway. And the inventory is no longer a problem.
2: I think there is a limit on how many items you can have, but Yeah, I think hey. it's
1: something like um fourteen per person or sixteen per person. So okay. your four I'm playing the
0: game right now so I can tell you.
1: Yeah, your four okay. pieces of equipment take up slots and then I think you have ten more?
0: Sixteen per person.
1: Okay, yeah, so you have 12 more.
2: But by the end of the game, you've got eight people, so you have plenty of inventory space. Yeah.
1: And Up to eight people. Remember, there are characters you can miss.
2: Only yeah. one of them, though.
1: Really? I thought it was more than one. No, You have you gotten Basso yet?
2: No. Okay, you get him first, and he's awesome just because you finally have a fourth person in battle. <laughs> And then you get Ayane, the the Kunoichi, and she's not great to start, but she learns some pretty good magic, and she's always fast. Even if her promotion costume looks more like something on American Gladiators than anything else um, Is she battle. the one
1: that's Rhodey's sister? Yes. It was funny. I, I was chatting with my brother a couple of days ago, and I told him I was playing this game. And it turns out that he had played this game when we were younger and actually still remembered it and we were chatting about some of the characters.
2: Good for him. Made an impression, obviously. How could it not? Yeah, he
1: talked about the the frigid bitch of a paladin. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and yet, by the time you finally get Lisa, she's really handy just because she's so good at healing.
0: Yes, and you definitely need a ton of healing in this game.
1: Oh yeah, I was so excited when, even just in the beginning, it's like the first time you get um, the healing spell on your main character. That is like a jump up and down in your seat and glee moment.
0: <laughs> so useful. Because before
1: that, it's like Melody all the time, and she has yeah. she. Um, I mean, obviously, she's you know your clutch healer and everything, but she also has really good attack magic. So it's like, uh, sometimes you're sort of left with the situation of crap. Do I heal or do I be offensive?
2: Uh, I don't know And what eventually your main character, who I
1: think is
0: named Arthur, if I... Remember. Yes,
1: he is. Why did we have know. to bring him along with us?
0: My main character is named Mike. I don't know about this Arthur thing. Well...
2: We're just going by what is in the the Shining Force three art compendium. I don't. You can name him whatever you want. And, That's right. I'm sure he's a good Mike, <laughs> but he will eventually learn some spark magic. So you have to, again, work preserving the Shining
0: Force tradition.
1: tradition. Yeah. So um, storyline wise, this occurs between Shining Force two and Shining Force three.
2: Actually, Shining Force, the Holy Shining, the Holy Ark, and Shining Force Three are supposed to be in a separate universe from the others. Really? Really? Right. Okay. Yeah, but this is set uh, ten years before Shining Force Three, and you get to meet Julian as a little kid, who will be your hero of Scenario Three, and you get to see briefly uh, the forces that set him on his way to cursing the name of Galm the Vandal and wanting to avenge his father's death. You never actually see his father, but you went. You will go into the mansion in the Aborigine Forest and you will find a dead guy, and that was his dad.
0: That is my like, favorite dungeon in the game, by the way. Well, yeah, the Aborigine
2: Forest it begins with you running around in a forest, but some of the enemies are just goofy. The twin head, the thing that jumps down out of the trees, looks like... <laughs> a double-headed Frankenstein monster sort of thing, and spits fire and ice from both heads. And it's a nasty son of a I kid. like
1: um, when you're underground, the worms that, like, pop up and down towards you, and the what are the round things that they, like, poke themselves out of the holes in the sides of the wall? Mm. I have to say, as cheesy as it is, all of the, like enemy animations are really good. I mean, the game did not age gracefully at all. Um, I I put it up on Chris's, like, mega-huge TV, and I was just (laughs) like, oh, this is painfully bad. I mean, this was like... It it, it used the same sort of CG that Final Fantasy VII did. And, um, yeah... Just did not age gracefully at all, at all. The
0: characters aren't. It's,
1: yeah, I mean, once you're in, the in combat, you're good. Yeah. But in yeah. town and 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 the animation scenes, I don't know yeah. whether to cringe or giggle because <laughs> they're oh, that's, bad. That's better for you. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's cool because back in the day, that was like whoa, this is awesome, these are amazing graphics, and now we're like... Uh, I will say that
2: thanks to it being first person, I don't have a problem finding my way around the way I did with so many of those big maps on the PS1 Squaresoft games where I keep blundering around trying to find the exit. I don't have that problem here.
1: <laughs> yeah, the nice thing about being first person in that style of graphics is that, yeah, you're never, you never ha- you never have to worry about perspective. Because you're always looking straight ahead.
2: And speaking of the battle graphics, yeah, they've aged not so well, but I still like them. They're pretty cool, and they add a whole lot more personality than you ever saw in, in the Darkness' battles.
1: Definitely. And, of course, yeah. you have um, the pixie system. And so uh, basically, as you're going through the game, there are optional quests that you can do and um, optional exploration that you can do. And as you go through these various areas, you can pick up pixies, and they just sort of start to stack up. And so what happens is is when you um, trigger a battle and it's random encounters, every once in a while a, a pixie will fly out in front of you, and you just hit the button, and the pixie will attack your enemies. And, I mean, particularly if you're um, grinding, it, it can... It it takes a big load off of the amount of mana that you have to use.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and when you use the Pixies, they actually give you a little extra golden experience at the end of the fight.
1: Right, Right. and the Pixies – now, the Pixies themselves level up, right? Yeah. I don't think so, but instead, as you get more of
2: them, they stack. Once you get 10 of each of them, then they'll do a big load of damage to whatever you you throw them at.
0: I they, they they're game, they've been gaining experience as they've been finishing some battles here. I haven't seen oh. a level up since but, I've been playing, though.
1: Right. I mean, the thing is, is it's hard to tell whether the... It's a translation issue. It's hard to tell whether the Pixies are gaining experience or the Pixies having being oh, used to right. grant you bonus experience.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I never saw them gain any levels, so I'm going to say they're gaining you extra experience. And there are five kinds of Pixies, and you need to use, throw each one at the appropriate enemy encounter, which is where the randomness is actually interesting because enemies can come from one of five different avenues. And if you happen to get the right pixie in the right place, then you win. They they do some extra damage for you at the start. And if you don't, if you throw the wrong kind of pixie at the enemy, then nothing happens.
1: So um, do we maybe want to touch a little bit on the story? Because the there's much better story development in Shining the Holy Ark than Shining in the Darkness. Absolutely. So um, basically the game opens up with a trio. Um, Melody and Forte are um, famous bounty hunters and they've come to capture Rhodey and They've brought this new swordsman Arthur with them. You go in, you spend two minutes crawling through a dungeon that will take you 45 to get out of. And boom, something falls in everybody's head while they're attacking, and everybody is then possessed by a spirit. However, because they are now possessed by spirits, they um must stay close to each other because otherwise the spirits die, and if the spirits die, so do their hosts.
2: They're either like sort of aliens. That's kind of vague.
1: Sorry, yeah. I, I can just call them aliens. Okay, that's not a spoiler.
2: <laughs> we're all about the spoilers here. Feel free.
1: Yeah, I mean, basically, the thing that crashes down on their head is an alien spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> and it I'm, kills I'm, everybody, and the aliens are like, oops, sorry, Um, we'll just fix you and possess you. <laughs> and we hope you're okay with that, because we're good aliens, except... um,
2: Except the evil one that jumped yeah. on... Forte.
1: Yeah, except Forte gets possessed by an evil spirit, and it turns out there's a whole bunch of these evil spirits, and all of them want to um, revive the Thousand-Year Kingdom. Dun-dun-dun-dun! And the good aliens um, want to ensure that that does not occur. Now, is that ever elaborated on, or is that just left as they think it's a bad idea?
2: To an extent. The... Uh, the Vandals figure into this quite a bit, and if you've played Shining Force 3, even part of it, then you know who the Vandals are. You meet Gaul in this, only he's helping you in this game, to a point. He, he only wants to make your path easier, not spell everything out for you. And, okay, there, there's an evil old Vandal called Rilix, who you will meet in one of the nastiest fights in the game. Actually, the nastiest fight in the game. Uh, and she is working hand-in-hand with Panzer, and Panzer is half-Vandal. He's actually Golm's son, if I remember rightly. And he wants to revive the Thousand-Year Kingdom just for power and whatnot. And he will be your final boss when he sucks in some of the the evil from the Holy Ark, I don't know what the health Sega was thinking when it translated it like that. But yes, he sucked in some evil and it made him strong. And if you get super unlucky, since he uses soul steel level two, then he could easily take you out. But I was always strong enough to survive that by the end. And I mean,
1: the thing. Oh, sorry.
2: Go ahead. You will also meet another character who you will only see at the very end of Shining Force three, scenario three, called Elise. And she is Rilix's sister, but because she apparently feeds on human blood or something, uh, she does not look to be a 300-year-old crone the way her sister is. (laughs) And fortunately, you do not fight Elise because she would probably rip you to shreds. But you do see her in a couple of uh, nowadays kind of graphically lacking situations, but they're still pretty nifty.
1: She's the one that kicks the dog. You know, for being, quote unquote, one of the more neutral bad guys, she's sort of kind of still really mean. (laughs) So the thing that I like um, about Shining the Holy Ark, particularly now that I'm playing it as an adult, is that um, unlike sort of the, the Shining Force stories, they don't. You don't dumb anything down. It doesn't feel kiddie. I actually like the fact that um, this feels like a video game that was made for an adult audience. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially if you take the challenge into consideration. I mean, uh, I'd probably yeah. This game is not easy. No, not by a long shot. Um, But not necessarily in a unfair way or anything i mean you know you might have to right. be it's more about like
1: that. yeah it's more about being proactive and being cautious and being sensible about managing your resources than it is about well i'm just yeah. going to throw crap at you until you cry <laughs> like <laughs> i don't know doctorate sort of idea yeah
2: and it it has to be said that some of the enemies in this game are pretty cool. The 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 ice spirits that come out of the puddles, they those. may be nasty things. They like to breathe ice at you that hurts everyone massively, but they're pretty cool to watch. And the crabs that come around corners, once you take out both of their claws, they're not dead. They start spitting no. bubbles at you.
0: It It's funny you should mention the crab because I'm fighting one right now.
1: <laughs> <sighs> I even like some of the some of my favorite monsters are the ones that are in the very first forest it's things like the skeleton that rises up out of the ground and he goes to snarl at you except he's missing his legs so he has to pull those (laughs) up too and uh, i like the wild dog so (laughs) there's
0: so many great animations uh, yeah 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 that's the thing
1: that stands out for me in this game
0: yeah Uh, i mean whoever was whatever people were responsible for doing all these animations just did a great job. There's so much personality to what you're seeing
2: here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, you still get that (laughs) feeling because it's all the same shining Force sound effects. It's all the same shining Force icons. You still save at the church. Um, The, the NPCs say just as much crappy, cheesy junk (laughs) that they do in the other games. And, this game, to me, sounds a lot like the Shining Force game that comes after it. Now, yeah. I don't know if that's the same composer, or it's a derivative work, or...
2: Yeah, you can actually... The Galm theme you hear here was actually uh, rearranged a little bit for Shining Force 3, and it is Motoi Sakuraba. He does the music for... Uh, I don't think he did it for Wisdom, but all the other Shining games on Saturn, he did them.
1: Yeah, it, the music sounds really familiar to me, so...
2: And I happen to really like the music in here. It's much more memorable than... Uh, Well, how many tracks were there in Shining in the Darkness? Eight or nine total?
1: Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only problem I have with digits. the...
0: Sorry. Go ahead. The only problem I have with the music here is... Uh, you know, you you're in so many battles in the game that the battle theme can get a bit annoying after a while. Not necessarily because it's a bad track, just because um, that it plays so much.
1: Also, I don't know if it's just my sound system, but I'm pretty sure it's the game. Is it just me, or is the sound not normalized across the game? Uh, like, just some stuff sounds way louder than others for for no perceptible reason.
2: Oh, yeah, I remember little bits like that. Uh, It's probably a funky bit with the programming. Maybe Sega of America did something in the localization that should have been fixed. Wouldn't surprise me.
0: We can just blame Sega of America.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty easy to fix. (laughs) Okay, so we were starting to talk about the characters, and we kind of got sidetracked. So there's your hero. You're Arthur or Mike or whatever you want to call yourself. And you never actually see yourself, but you do see your stronger attacks, which makes all the difference in the world. Late in the game, you learn a sword attack, which involves you apparently running in a 360 arc around the entire area before launching yourself at the enemy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it's cool because... Because you are literally seeing, you're not seeing out of the eyes of your party, you're seeing out of the eyes of Arthur. When other players in your party step forward to attack, you see them like you are seeing them out of the periphery of your vision. And I love that idea. That is cool. It's so well done. It makes you feel really, really involved in the game. Agreed. I also like the fact that you know each character feels really different like some of them do get the same magic and um, you know some of them do have overlapping weapons and stuff but each of them still has like a nice distinct flavor in combat like they're not interchangeable Uh, Basso is a little but whatever.
2: Yeah, once you've gotten more options, you may not use Basso as much, but he's still your standard big, slow, axe-wielding lunk, and whenever you need somebody to hit things hard, he'll do it.
1: I don't know. I always sort of felt like um, I already have the main character, so what do I need Basso for? (laughs) Does that make sense?
2: Because now you have four characters, and since you can use four people in combat... That's invaluable, but later on, yeah. Once you get Ayane, uh, she's good. She's not she's not as strong as her brother, but she learns some interesting magic and she's super fast. Then you'll get yeah.
1: That that was a nice thing about her. She's just wicked fast.
2: (laughs) Then you'll get Forte, and he joins you after you have uh, killed the evil spirit that was possessing him.
1: Whereupon he he says something like. This was the thing that, that maybe confused me about this story is um, immediately upon the start of the game, it is established that once someone is possessed by a spirit, um, evil or alien, that removing it from their body kills the host. So, uh,
2: Well, you, you meet a guy who knows the magic to preserve life. I know. The other evil spirit took over the king of the kingdom.
1: Isn't that just – is it just me or does that just feel like horrible plot convenience? Oh, we don't feel like designing another character. I know. We'll add this cheap, cheap piece of story. It's like the only part of the game I don't like.
2: Well, for me, that's wrapped up inextricably in the fight you go through. Those two evil spirits in the King and Forte, they'll pop out and you will fight them. And they can use Freeze 3 only once each. But at that point in the game, if they both use Freeze 3 on you, you're probably dead.
1: Bye-bye. It hits hard.
2: Bye-bye. And then, then, Relix comes out to fight you. She revives the spirits. Ugh. And she can use spark magic, too. So if... If you get unlucky here, then you're getting booted way back to wherever the last save point is. And this is not a short dungeon.
1: No. that And that's the thing that, you know, I would love to recommend the, this game to people, but... I don't know, when I was 13, I could sit down for a 4-hour stretch and play through a dungeon. Like yeah. it took me it took me a couple of hours even just to get through like the first forest and underground dungeon. I think uh I I also spent some time grinding, but I think by the time I got to the castle and fell into the the next dungeon, I was about 6 hours into the game.
0: Yeah, I'm right around it's, there. I'm I'm in that dungeon now right around 5 yeah. hours. Yeah. So it it's it's Long. not a short game. It is. Imagine. And
1: and you can't play in in short spurts because there's no quick save. I mean, this is before the idea of quick save existed. Yeah. But there's no like um you know. There's no inter-dungeon saves. There's no uh, do you yeah. ever get Egress? I can't remember.
2: Yes, you do. You, it's called Return now, yeah. though.
1: Thank you. Well, I <laughs> like the Shining Force name better. So there.
2: It, this is also the Shining Force name. It's just the Shining Force name for, for later games. It's Egress. <laughs> As you will. Um, at the very least, though, you don't have to worry about a game over. Like... The other Shining Games Camelot developed, if you get your ass whooped in the dungeons, then you get booted back to last save, point minus half your money.
1: But you retain your experience. Yeah.
2: And whatever items you get.
0: It's always nice.
1: Um, and the other thing that I like about this game is, um, I don't know if it goes all the way through the game, but everything that I've run into so far, um, when you get something out of a chest, it's not gold, it's a piece of equipment. And I like that idea because it means that if you didn't have enough to buy all the equipment from the previous town, then you can get it on the go. If you did manage to buy all the equipment before you left, well, then you can sell it for money. I like that flexibility. That was cool. Yeah. And I you want more work into that.
0: You will definitely need that equipment.
2: I don't remember if there are any chests with coins in them, but I know it's not common. So that probably stays true for the entirety of the game. And, oh yes, once you get to the southern, the south dungeon, uh, the one with the vaguely Egyptian theme, you will find some very interesting things. I'm just looking at a screenshot I had almost forgotten about. Some of the time when you search these, these things that look kind of like the, the headdresses of a pharaoh. <laughs> you'll find things.
1: Yeah, it's, it's that dungeon's version of a box.
2: And sometimes you'll find a whole bunch of little goblins that will jump out and fight you.
1: Yeah, I remember, like, um, in the first dungeon when pots stopped being pots and started being monsters. That was like, ah! Yeah,
2: those snakes can hit pretty hard at that point in the game.
1: Yep.
2: And to get to the South Dungeon, you have to go through a cave, which you can get through pretty easily once you're going through it later in the game. But at the beginning, it's constantly blocked by this gigantic reptilian scaly thing. So you've got to go through these ice ponds with these horrible jellyfish that jump out and sling spark magic at you. And then you get to fight the tail of whatever the thing that's blocking the cave is. Three times before its head comes around and fights you. That's just an interesting way to approach a boss as an obstruction in the dungeon itself. I liked it; it was memorable.
0: It is. I mean, the, the dungeons in this game are just so varied and interesting. You know, like my my favorite, personal favorite, the like the haunted mansion is really really neat, especially how like some of the monsters like come out of the paintings. You know, and, and that's something I, I don't know that I've seen a lot of other first-person dungeon callers do. They, You know, usually it's just one big dungeon, maybe with some different areas, but, but generally not all that different. I think you're pretty much on
2: the right track there. Yeah, each dungeon feels di- distinct in this game, and... The enemies keep changing. Yeah, there are some Palette swaps. You get that with pretty much every RPG. But the enemies act differently. And you keep seeing new things all over the
0: place. Yes. Uh, Yes. uh, I would would say it feels like this. It feels like maybe a standard console RPG just kind of reformatted to uh, first-person format. Obviously, uses lots of first-person dungeon standards, but it, it you know, it, it doesn't really feel like a lot of those games do.
2: I'd agree with that. Which may be why I got into it so much, because I'm, I've played a few first-person dungeon crawlers, and I'm okay with them, but I don't really love them. This one, I just, I've played through it three times. That shows you how much <laughs> I enjoyed it.
1: I well, I was sort of hesitant to to try um, shining the holy ark, even though I'd played shining in the darkness, because I I played some of the fantasy star stuff and hated it.
0: Ooh,
1: I it's hate cool. fantasy star. Yes, cool. I've played one, two, three, and four, and hated them all. Okay, I three I haven't played any of them. Yeah, I don't like any of them. Uh, I like the, I like the Fantasy Star Online. Yeah, I get over it.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> See that was easy. <laughs> I get crap for not liking them all the time, and I'm okay with I, that.
0: I can understand Alice King Three, and I'm not a big fan of two either, so
1: See we, we we, we can agree on some things. Yeah. It'll yeah, you want stuff. you want some
0: complicated dungeons,
2: go with Fantasy Star One. Oh my. Yeah. Oh. Yeah,
1: I just I remember playing those when I was younger and, and getting frustrated and not wanting to play them anymore.
2: Okay, we got distracted from the characters, uh, Forte. Lisa is your paladin. She's She has no offensive magic, but she knows pretty much every support spell in the game, and she hits pretty hard with her sword, so she's good to have around. And then there's Doyle, who is supposed to be Rody's subordinate, and you find him by investigating this tree that suddenly popped up in in rich village which, <laughs> oh, that's right It's <laughs> just him in disguise and you penetrate
1: it's not these, a very good disguise
2: <laughs> actually it is it's just that there's a tree where there wasn't one and if you didn't know that then you might go the whole game without finding him at all and he's kind of like a faster version of basso with some cool techniques He. Whenever you see him he pop up and, and use his... Uh, he almost does a Godzilla attack, breathing something that causes confusion against the enemies. That's awesome. Or he'll grab okay. things and throw them down. He and Rhodey share that move, which just looks cool. The, the ninja grabs the enemy, leaps into the air with it, and slams down. Yeah.
1: Um, who was the werewolf in Shining Force? It starts with Z. Silo? thank you uh, he reminds me of a mix of Xylo and Edge from Final Fantasy 4
2: I can see that yeah it, it definitely fits since he is supposed to be a ninja from the Far East Village and all that yes the, the Far East Village what a creative name for the town <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. They used up all their creativity on the monster animations. There isn't yeah. any creativity in anywhere else in the game.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, again, we might be able to blame Sega of America for that. But given some of the things that places were named in Shining Force Three, I don't know if that's fair. And <laughs> uh, let's see. Any any other memorable enemies to you, Mister Apps?
0: i uh, trying to think. Uh, I think we've pretty much topped them all. Um, I mean, anything for me that jumps out of the puddles, I always thought was pretty cool. <laughs> it, may, it makes you afraid to walk towards any of those things because they're usually pretty nasty. Yes, they are.
2: And some of the bosses are pretty brutal.
0: Oh, a lot of many of the bosses.
2: The boss in your favorite place, the Aboriginal Mansion. Man, that sucker comes out of the <laughs> clock man, and just starts sparking you to death.
0: Yeah. Uh, I Not I think equipped it to me, take multiple sparks. Took me many times to beat that boss. But uh, one thing I don't know that we covered is that's pretty interesting is you, the three first characters you get, uh, if they die in battle... They'll come back to life after the, end of, the uh, end of battle, I guess, because because of the whole because spirit, the spirit thing. thing. Yes, but right. any they, they any of the other characters, die. yeah, any of the other characters you get will will stay dead after battle, which is kind of a nice touch. You know, early on in the game when you're still getting the hang of things, it, it kind of gives you a break. Yeah, you still have to heal
2: them back up because they only revive at one hit point but it right, gives right. you so much heartache when you have no means of reviving people <laughs> and you won't get it for quite a while oh and this is also yeah. a shiny Who, game who's,
1: who's the first one that gets the resurrection skill because I don't remember uh,
2: that would probably be Melody yeah okay know lisa will have it and i don't think anybody else does and of course melody and lisa will also have aura which simplifies things so much near the end yeah.
0: that's like a godsend when you get that it's so good
2: and this is also a shining game shining in the darkness didn't have this but all the others did the class change when you finally decide it's time to make my people much better
1: oh no wait wrong game
2: (laughs) yeah the ditty that you hear in this one isn't particularly impressive but but it is there and uh, you can level your people up to 40 before you have to class change them and then just keep going
1: now when does it first unlock is it 20 or 30 because I don't remember Twenty. it's 20 okay the the thing that i always that always scares me about class changing like that is i always feel like your character when it when you go back to level 1 of the new class always feels like really delicate so i'm i'm the type of person where like i will class up one person and baby them till they're like level 4 or 5 again and then i will class up the next person <laughs> It makes for such a long game.
2: <laughs> I Especially here, because you don't lose anything for class changing. Not like in the first Shining Force. Oh, jeez.
1: Oh yeah, that was tough when you had to class change. Yeah.
2: But I, here you actually gain some stats, I think.
1: Yeah, and I mean I I you don't need to do what I do, but having spent so much time playing Shining Force One and Shining Force Two to a lesser extent, that that idea of okay, I, I gotta ease my characters back into not sucking, has stuck. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Well,
2: I don't think any of them has been as bad as Shining Force 1, where if you were foolish enough to promote at level 10, then you were going to pay for it for a long time. Oh, Yes. Yeah. Shining Force 2, I don't remember there being much of anything that happened except that you could get new weapons to use at that point. Shining Force 3, you actually gain stats when you promote. And Shining Fo- Holy Ark, I can't remember if you gain stats before you promote or not, as you promote.
0: Mm. Mr.
2: Apps, actually, you're not far enough, so you can't tell me either.
0: No, only level 10. <laughs>
2: But I do remember trying to pu- to pump my people up to in the high thirties before I class changed them, just because I don't remember why. I just wanted to. Oh, I'm, that's right. I was making extensive use of the Hatari room in the East Shrine. And okay. Hata- now that
1: is the thing that I do like is that this is one of the earliest games that I can think of that it's sort of. I don't know if it was deliberate or just the way that the game mechanics worked out, but there it, it seems to set up good grinding spots. Like in the starting forest, there's one place that you can loop around, and you get a skeleton and a a, a wolf, basically kitty-corner to each other. You can just keep walking around that square, and you get those two enemies like every time you make a walk around. <laughs> And, I mean, there's another one in the dungeon underneath the castle. And it's just, that was cool to me, because it, it felt very intuitive, but it didn't feel like, okay, you're here, grind. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, when you find the Hatari room in the East Shrine, there's no reason to grind anywhere else. Although, Hataris are nasty things when you first find them. They use, I think it's Spark Level 3. Oh, God. But if you kill a Hatari, you get over 3,000 experience for it, which guarantees level-ups across the board for everybody at that point in the game. And the thing is, in the Hatari room, you will fight nothing but them. The only thing is that Hataris are very timid creatures, and they like to run away. So you have to get lucky to kill them. And they're very fast, too. And they run away by taking off their disguise, which... Apparently reduces their height by two thirds and makes them into little purple bugs that run away. <laughs> but, but once you've done some Hatari trawling, you'll never forget it. That's just the that's just the grinding place I used all for a big chunk of the game because they give so much more experience than anything else you're going to fight. Even bosses don't give that much most of the time.
0: That's so somewhat similar to tracking down metal slimes in Dragon Quest.
2: Yeah, there's a good comparison to be made. You'll fight some Hataris elsewhere. They can show up as random foes, but again, they like to run away. And if they show up with something else, then dividing your efforts to try and kill both of them probably won't work. Even at your strongest, you'll be hard-pressed to kill one of these things in a single turn. But I did fight a few of them in the Tower of Illusion, hmm. along with the evil mummies, and uh, there are a lot of things in the Tower of Illusion. I don't remember all of them right now, except that the Tower of Illusion also, yes, by using the lunar shard, if I remember rightly, you get flipped around and you, you're walking on the ceiling of certain floors in it. That was pretty cool. <laughs>
1: wow, <laughs> I don't remember that
2: now well, you it's the second to the last area of the game so you won't see it for a while
1: yeah it's just this is this is sort of the problem with some of these older games it's like i played this as a kid and or i watched my brother play it and i have to sort of cobble together my memories of what happened back then versus my more recent play experience and like i said at the, the start of the podcast i was really sick for the last week and didn't get a chance to play <laughs> That and I played for a week and my save disappeared. Thank you. Sega like Saturn with your Ugh. crappy battery. Did you do it with
2: the lithium battery? battery?
1: No, now it's now it's saving just fine. Yep.
2: Oh. Weird. Those lithium batteries are nice and cheap at least and
1: Oh you know, yeah. It it's a watch battery. It's literally a watch battery. It's just it's the cheapest you know. Mm-hmm. Dorkiest little thing to replace, but let me tell you, the consistency of the Sega Saturn saving system just makes my day. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's it, it's too bad finding an actual memory card is next to impossible.
1: I only know one person who has the memory unit. And that's Michael Tidwell. <laughs> do you? Yes, okay, I so do. now I know two people, oh. and they're both named Michael. So, <laughs> I,
0: I mean, I've got, I've got um an action replay which you can back up your saves onto but the the Saturn itself doesn't recognize it as a memory card so you kind of have to reset and go in there and back up your remember to back up your saves you can Yeah, just, I used like, the action
2: replay for a long time until I needed to play Tengai Makyo 4 and there's no save option at the end of the first disc so you can't use the action replay in that scenario because it has to load Ooh. from a scene. Single... But I wanted to finish that game, so I actually got my system modded. Wow. Yeah. You yeah, have
1: just... a modded Saturn? Yeah, I did. Wow. That is impressive.
0: Yeah. That
1: I was, was like the infancy the of modding.
2: I, I was mean, where a villain carves his face onto Mount Rushmore. How could I stop?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's fair enough. I remember, um, what was it, the bootleg Super Nintendo cartridges that you had to break a piece off of them?
2: No, you don't break the piece off of the cartridge. You break two little plastic tabs off of the cartridge slot inside the system, and then they'll
1: Thank fall. you. That's what I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah. I had a friend Local that did solution. that. We were no. like, ooh, avant-garde. You modded your system. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Okay? It's oh, a pretty low tech solution for most Nintendo products.
1: <laughs> We're getting so off topic now, though.
2: <laughs> well, talking about import games is very relevant to Saturn gamers.
0: This is true. Uh huh. There's so many good games that
1: never made it over here. It, it makes me sad that I don't And two
0: thirds of one game.
1: With... Yeah, and two thirds of one.
0: <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Sega, you thank know, you, Sega of America. It's
1: like, dear Sega please stop being a bunch of jerks. Kiss and make up with Camelot so we can get the rest of our games. Love hey. the Shrine community.
2: Wouldn't it have been nice if we got Dragon Force 2?
0: <gasps>
2: yeah! Be- well, Sega of America was stupid, and so we didn't.
1: Duty heads.
0: Ah, oh, Sega. Sega, Sega.
2: Yeah, I could I could rattle off a big list of Saturn games that I've played, which should have come out over here, but never mind. Let's not do that. Yeah, we're kind of getting off track of uh, holy art. And okay, Mr. Apps, aside from the battle theme, what do you think of the music that Motoi Sakuraba made for it?
0: I think the music is excellent. You know, a lot of what I like about it is it kind of adds to the atmosphere. You know, creepy music kind of Use unnerving music to make uh, a lot of the, dun- the dungeons feel kind of creepy and uh it gets really good. It really fits each of the different environments.
2: I'd also like to say that the theme when you fight relics is very impressive and helps to reinforce just how badly you might get your ass stomped in the grand fire. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, my complaints about the regular battle theme aside, any any of the other battle themes that pop up are really good, especially the boss theme.
2: And actually, I don't mind the regular battle theme even though I've heard it thousands of times by now. It still works for me. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, it it's it usually takes me a long time to get annoyed by it. It's just I don't know. It it's a good theme. It it really is a good theme. What do you think about it,
1: Anna? I like the music because it feels, makes me feel like I'm playing a Shining Force game again.
0: <laughs> yes, that's another good point. It's very, very Shining Force.
1: Yeah. It's, this is sort of the thing that strikes me again and again as I play Shining the Holy Ark. It feels like I'm playing a Shining Force game that happens to be a first-person dungeon crawler. Yeah. And to me, that's that's like super special awesome. I love that. I love the feeling of the Shining Force games. I, I, I wish there was more of them. So yeah. the fact that I get that same feeling, even if I don't have the same game mechanic, makes me just happy in the pants.
2: So, yeah. so you're saying that Shining Force Neo and Shining Force EXA are not true Shining Force games. Is that right? Why'd you have to bring those up? <laughs> uh... Mostly I wanted to question why... Sega of Japan did not employ Motoi Sakurawa to make the scores for them, then it would probably be pretty easy.
1: Um, I think we have established that Sega can be kind of dumb. (laughs) Yeah. You know, just saying.
0: I'd like to know how the developers of Lufia somehow managed to make a horrible Shining Force game.
2: Which one was that?
0: Shining Force Neo. Came from uh, I forget the name I cannot Never recall kid. the name of the developer offhand Is it Neverland Never- yes
2: which makes me think of the ranch owned by a certain now deceased pop singer but okay <laughs> <laughs> well uh. yeah the, the topic of the later Shining games not involving Camelot we can we can just. Uh, Deal with some other day, someday far future. Yeah. We'll put
1: that in a box and we'll except, gently set it aside. Except and one day.
2: That's a good game.
0: Yeah. Uh
1: Speaking. One day speaking when camera, we will open the box, box is together. That, yeah. It,
0: if you've ever played the Golden Sun games, the battle system in uh, Shining the Holy Ark is very, very similar. Yeah. The there's the one element in particular
2: character. that. It, See, in Golden Sun, you can only swap one of your reserved people in per turn, but here you can swap as many people as you want. You can change the whole team around if you want. Yeah.
1: And that is cool.
0: Yeah, that is very cool. And really... And
2: everybody gets the same amount of experience.
0: Yeah.
1: Yay! Although the experience system in general, I find, is a little screwy in this game, like... Um, I think my main character is already up to 11, and Melody's still 9, and Roji's 10. I think Roji hit 10 at the same time that the main character hit 11.
2: That's pretty much in keeping with it In the Darkness, where your main character, for whatever reason, even though they were getting the same amount of experience, he gained levels.
1: Levels faster, yeah. I don't know why.
2: I guess you Can't can try figure. and undo that by killing him off. Or- intentionally but good luck finishing the battles without him <laughs> yeah
1: that's the, and that's the problem too is it's like if there's going to be a last man standing it's going to be Arthur which complicates you know the the fact that he always gets you know faster levels just compelling he's got problem. the heal
2: spell to keep his people alive outside of battle yep
1: yeah, true
0: Yay, I got the key in this dungeon under the town. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yay. <Yeah. laughs>
0: so uh you're... finishing any of the dungeons in this game is such a feeling of accomplishment. Oh yeah.
3: <laughs> so what are y'all's final thoughts? People need to rush out and go buy us? Is it worth the forty dollars?
1: Absolutely worth playing.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> if you don't have a saturn <laughs> buy a saturn
2: <laughs> well that should just be standard policy anyway there are so many great things on the saturn that you will never see anywhere else at this I rate agree. i agree
1: and it's it's not even restricted to rpgs there're just a lot of good saturn games in general
0: Well, yeah i mean if you uh like the Panzer Dragoon games not necessarily the rpg one just that series in general is a lot of fun and uh a lot of other games so many other games
1: yeah if i if i look at my library and think about the systems that i have the most number of non-rpgs for um it's like my ds of the sega saturn <laughs> those those are the two that i have non-rpgs for okay <laughs> coolie
3: beans all right well that was pretty awesome review guys chit-chat and going over and whatnot. I'm going to give you just a little minute to catch your breath, go get a drink or whatever it is you need to do to recuperate because we're coming back for the final lap. Wrap up the show tonight with the final lap, as we always do in style. Uh, I'd like to start off talking about the comments on the last show, but since we just got it up and Mike is working us day and night, uh, we we just haven't had a lot of time for a lot of comments to to jump up
2: there just
3: yet. But that's okay. That's all right because we have lots of other things to talk about, Mr. Most of them
2: boil down to the fact that pointing out how pretty Saga Frontier Two is cannot be done enough.
0: this
2: is true although Gaijin also mentioned that we it should be a maximum of some sort that the amount of time spent talking about that game is directly proportional to how buggy it is
3: (laughs) yeah um mostly uh, so we need more comments go to board.rpgamer.com write your comments about our shows we'd love to hear from you um and uh we i you know, I got away from it last week but i said the show before that i want to kind of start just Uh, All during the final lap, kind of going over some of the the highlights from the website, especially those that pertain to retro gaming, which is what we're all about here, and also uh, bring some attention to some of these great articles uh, that you can find at RP Gamer. One of the things that I absolutely love about our site is that we have a number of people who are always uh, talking about or writing about um, old retro games. You don't find that at GameSpot or anything like that. (laughs) You'll find it right there at rpgamer.com. And so uh, first off, I will plug that we do have this nice little tweeter feed now on the Left side of our page. That's pretty cool. So I, I set up a, I set up my own Twitter account just for that. Uh, uh, so I got uh, normally you can find me at Twitter at at JC Servant, but I have another one called at JC Servant or no, I'm sorry at JCS Gamer, which is where I'll mostly be focusing my game tweets, uh, which comprises mostly of Pathfinder stuff, since that's what I usually do, pen and paper RPGing, but will also comprise of other games that I might be playing about. And then, if you want to keep up with my drawing updates or anything else that I'm doing, you can still follow at JC Servant. So, uh, but uh, I think we'll—I—I th- I sent an email to Mister uh, Cunningham to tie in my gaming feed into that little feed thing they have on the side there. So, you can read those. You can join in. You can reply. It's awesome. It's modern day technology. Um, we also have a really cool retro view up this week, Mister Minky. Gosh, you must
2: be talking about something I know about. Maybe it's a little mm-hmm. game called Planescape Torment. Yes, I did play that game. I would. I, I I would good. ask for you to
3: plug it, but then you might be giving away half the next show. Yeah, I'll just
2: save that for a little while until uh, the next show. Which now you know why we done why we haven't done a PC pit stop this month because. Uh, Our next show is all about Planescape Torment. Planescape Torment.
3: But if you want a preview of the show, you can find Mr. Miki's well-written article over at rpgamer.com. It's on the front page for the moment. Um, I also see that Atelier Meruru is coming to North America and Europe. So they keep popping out these Atelier games. I like to point those out because they do tend to have a lot of strong... Strong elements that make them feel old (laughs) Um, Whether it's mechanics or the graphics the graphics have been really pretty in the last few games uh, But they're certainly not your super 3D Modern Warfare style thingy So the whole thing feels uh, Most of the games that I've played anyways In in those uh, Alchemist series or whatever Feel very much like uh, retro games to me They feel like retro games But they cost as much as the new thing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, i kill myself Okay, moving on Hey, uh, Miss
1: Anna Mr. Phil
3: Hey, I, I hear that uh, um, A new old game is coming to uh, The PlayStation Network A classic PlayStation tactical RPG And you know how much I love tactical RPGs
1: Oh yeah, you want me to talk about Vanguard Bandits I
3: do, I just heard Uh, that you might know something about it A little birdie told me
1: Yeah, yeah, Um, I actually did the, I think, I'm pretty sure I did the review for Herpy Gamer It was one of the first reviews that I wrote, so I go back and read it now And it's absolutely atrocious, and (laughs) I realize how much my English has grown in the last 10 years (laughs) But I loved this game um, it was so good And I played to all five endings And uh, loved, loved, loved it um, I even have like a, a sealed copy Of the, the strategy guide kicking around That I never opened I, I have I have one that I opened and I used And then I have one that I never opened And is still in its wrapping So it's very cool Yeah, um, it's a tactical RPG. You play um, characters that are inside of big mech suits, and the mech suits look like a variety of things, including centaurs. And um, you can go down um, two good paths or three evil paths, if I recall the split correctly, and you can get different girlfriends depending on who you treat nice. And there's a relationship system that um, allows your characters to have um, increased battle prowess depending on their relationship with each other and um, the the combat system is predicated on everybody having an action bar and everything from moving to attacking to um, using items all uses up that same pool of actions so you can move far but if you move too far you can't attack etc etc so yeah stuff very good story fantastic music definitely music is one of the favorite and it's a working designs localization so um it definitely has a lot of character um it do- it does have some some very um 90s jokes that have gone somewhat stale like you know, teaching your seaman how to swim and lunar and got milk and stuff like that. Um, but overall um, definitely stands the test of time and since um, the, the studio that made Vanguard Bandits went out of business like within three months of this game being published we'll never see another game like it again so definitely two thumbs up recommend people go and play it.
3: Awesome. And uh and this is uh being brought to us by Monkey Paw Games. You can follow them on Twitter at Monkey Paw Games, I guess all one word there. Um and uh and they just came out the uh, Burger Time which is uh which is kind of a re not a remake but a re-envisioning of the old Burger Time arcade games if if for those of you who are as old as I am um and I actually downloaded and played that and I've uh, it, it kind of in a way reminds me of maybe like a PlayStation 1 action game some of those 3D action platforms you play on on those which kind of sounds bad but when you combine it with the arcade action of of uh, the original uh, burger time and make it a little bit faster it, it's 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 been so far it's been pretty fun uh, maybe i'll talk about it more uh, next show after i've actually played through uh, more than a few levels. And check it out. They're not just uh, going to not only be releasing this on the PlayStation uh, 3 play, through the PlayStation Network and it uh, will work on your PSP as well because it's just basically a, a PlayStation 1 re-release, but uh, they'll also be offering a free digital license to download the official Vanguard Bandit Strategy Guy via their website... So this is looking really exciting. Again, this is just one of those things that you find on our website. I love uh, these little news articles that the team's putting out there. That one was written by our very own editor-in-chief, Mr. Michael Cunningham. Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate that. And, huh. oh, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's uh, and I don't know exactly when that's coming. out. I don't know if the news article, I don't think the news article says, uh, oh, it is now available. Heck, you can go out and get it now. Oh wow. But there's also something else that came available this week. Anybody else know what it is? PlayStation One Classic, same thing on the PSN. Anybody? Final Fantasy
0: Five. That's
3: right. Give the golden apple to Mr. Apps.
2: Yeah. Oh yes, that is the version of Final Fantasy V you want to play, isn't it? <laughs> no. But it has
1: such
2: a fine translation.
1: No. 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 no.
3: I- I'm noticing a little sarcasm.
2: <laughs> No, Uh, sarcasm? No, never. What's up with that? it's because I played Final Fantasy V on the Game Boy Advance, but I don't really know why you'd ever want to go back to this version. And I don't think our other people here know of any reason to do that either.
3: Now, Mr. Minky, it's Final Fantasy. It must be good. I mean, what can they possibly get wrong in a version?
2: Uh, doesn't this one have some significant load times? You know what? I'm sure that through the power of emulation, they've completely eliminated those little buggers. I'm sure they have, because... The original version was known for its prompt loading and absolutely no technical issues whatsoever. Am I right? Yeah, you know, and that's the funny thing because, okay, okay,
3: now I just can't help myself. I did actually go out and buy these things on disc uh, back in the day. And uh, I don't remember if it was necessarily Final Fantasy V first, but there was a number of re-releases on disc. And whichever one I got, it just kept freezing up and I couldn't save. And, oh, yeah, it was a piece of crap. <laughs> I mean, how hard is it to emulate a 16-bit game on a 32-bit console? Apparently, it's very hard. was it 64, bit was PlayStation 1 64?
1: No, it was 32. 32.
3: It was 32, yeah. 32. Yeah, I mean, come on, people. Oh, yeah, I was furious because I had put down the full $60 or whatever. It was expensive. Um, I remember that. Yeah, it wasn't very nice of them
2: at all. Hmm. And isn't this the one with the translation that... Let's be charitable and say that it could have been better. Would I I be right there?
1: But
3: Yeah. (laughs) But of course now one of us on the RP Gamer staff is going to need to pay the $10 download and try playing it to see if those issues have been addressed. So technical issues aside, let's pretend for a moment that maybe they actually did address those. How was the game otherwise?
0: Other than the awful translation?
3: Now, since when has awful translation stopped any Final Fantasy game <clears throat> seven from reaching glorious <laughs> heights of popularity?
0: That is a good point.
3: I'm just, I'm just thinking. I don't know. Uh,
0: Final Fantasy V is great. Okay, cool beats. Everybody
3: go out and get Final Fantasy
2: V. <laughs> and while you're at it, you might start saving. Play a Game Boy Advance version because the advanced version of 5 is uh, probably the best one you can get. Yes, it is. The the who? Well, admittedly, since Nintendo has yet to really unveil its means of getting you downloadable games on the 3DS, I don't know how long it'll be before Final Fantasy V Advance shows up there, but uh, that would would be the way to get it. Until then, you're going to have to go with the cart. Or you.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um... Hmm. Yeah, and that's pretty much the only way to play Final Fantasy VI still is the Game Boy Advance cart. because if you get the PlayStation 1 version, that'll probably freeze up too.
0: No, it's, it's on Virtual Console. Is it? Oh, cool. Yeah, which is a fine way to play it. Well, yeah.
3: Well, Final Fantasy VI, definitely, people, if you haven't played it, and uh, yeah, you gotta go play Final Fantasy VI. Alright, and uh, yes, spe- speaking of fives, uh, Yakuza 5's currently in our development. Be coming here soon. Hopefully, cross your fingers they won't. Hopefully, they won't nerf this one. Take out all the dating bars and stuff.
0: <laughs> that would be a shame. Sega, Sega nerf something?
2: Yeah, uh,
3: no, get out.
0: Never.
2: Never. Yeah, what are you talking about? I've never heard of this idea that Sega could possibly do something that we wouldn't care for. Get out. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Anywho, um,
3: Mr. Mickey, do you have anything that you would like to plug for our? vast audience this
2: evening uh let's see here i could tell you to watch sophie's choice if you want to see why meryl streep did indeed get best actress that year because that is a that is not a movie to watch lightly but she does a terrific job in it and if you want to know why it's not a movie to watch lightly well she came out of auschwitz there you go i could tell you to watch the sound of music if you want to get that horrible horrible my favorite things number stuck in your head mostly because There's
1: i actually like the tune for that but my that's my favorite
2: thing <laughs> <laughs> colored ponies are a few of your favorite things what my Where little you... pony my little oh sorry wrong song <laughs> um i can also uh... tell you to check out the director's cut of star trek motion picture which is far superior to the one that most people have seen
3: Wait, wait, wait. Are you talking – is it like the director's cut of the new Star Trek film? Yeah. yeah it's Star that. Trek Motion Pictures. Remember? We we're talking about – wait, wait. The first one or the one that just <laughs> came out?
2: The first one.
3: The very first – now let me tell you a story here. Okay, my mother, when I was like graduating high school and stuff like that to give me a big present, gave me all – Five Star Treks at the time, I think it was, in a box set, and the first one was the editing director's uncut edition or whatever have you. So I'm like, yes, it's gonna actually do something with this crappy story or whatever have you about Viger or whatnot. What did it end up being? 18 extra minutes. I swear that 18 extra minutes, 14 of it was put in showing the Enterprise for the first time going around and around. The camera kept going around the Enterprise, and the other four minutes was on the special effects when they were going into
2: V'ger. The director's cut I'm talking about is the one on DVD. But I'm just I'm saying, does it, does it mean pretty- I'm going to get more minutes of
3: boring –
2: no. This one is actually a little shorter than the theatrical cut. Okay, because that was really bad. And with <laughs> – yes, the entire lengthy 20-minute sequence of them gopping at things as they go into V'ger, it's been changed a lot. It's been shrunk down drastically. I'm not going to tell you that it becomes the best Star Trek movie of all, because it doesn't, but it does make it a much better movie. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But it's only on the the 2003, I think it is, DVD issue instead of the gigantic case set that Paramount put out a few years ago. So you have to go for the out-of-print DVD set, sadly.
3: Uh, oh, Okay, so now that we've digressed totally, <laughs> how about you, Mr. Apps, anything you would like to plug – to plug, advertise, push, sell, steal for our listening audience members? Like your mute button, for example.
2: <laughs> yes, it's doing a great job.
3: It is. He's. <laughs> it's almost like I can't hear him.
2: What brand of mute button does he use
3: This is so successful Apparently the one that doesn't turn off When you want it to (laughs) You know while he's trying to figure out His mute button Miss Anna Anything you would like to say to our audience
1: Um Hi you can see me every week on the RPT cast
3: We're up to I see past 200 on 201 now
1: Yeah yeah we got to do our big 200 episode and now we're on 201 and um, episode 200 was embarrassing for me for about half of it. So,
3: <laughs> so everybody go and listen to 200 <laughs> slowly so you can listen to Anna be embarrassed. And that's really easy to do with like mini- Windows Media Player. You slow it down to like 50%. You can hear her slowly get embarrassed. Awesome. Cool beans. Play anything new, fun, and exciting lately, Anna?
1: I've been playing Shining the Holy Ark. Uh, no, I've been playing uh, a, a crap ton of Super Mario 3D Land because I've been um, sick. Yeah, the Ark I is kind take... of exciting. Not new, yeah, yeah. Not exciting. It, 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 I was sick, so I mean, I could take my 3DS to to bed with me and to be miserable with it and not be miserable to anybody else around me. So I, I think I have 216 coins so far. Um, I'm at the end of... Um, the the secret world 7 um well, unfortunately i need 220 coins to unlock the final 216
3: level. coins in 3d mario yeah you're sick oh my
1: gosh i've only got
3: like 40
1: yeah you need 220 to unlock the last level in in secret world 7 oh god so, um is that is that all of them in the game? Yeah. No, hello. No. Um, <laughs> I believe you do need every single coin in the game to unlock the end of world Secret World Eight, though, is what I hear. I think that's three hundred. Just, just go, shoot up. So yeah, I I have fully starred all of the original worlds except for eight. So one, two three, four, five, six, seven. I have every single coin from those. um, the problem is is I'm basically hitting like the plateau of of where I am capable of platforming um like there there are even some levels in in Secret World Seven where it was like I had to try it like fifteen times to get it right particularly the levels. Um, When you get into the second half of the game and you're playing through the secret worlds, um, some of the levels you have an evil mini Mario chasing you, and if he touches you, you die. Nice! Wow. So, um, yeah, it's it's really challenging to go through those levels, because he'll, like, jump on top of you or try to squirt underneath you while you're jumping and stuff, and so it's like... (sighs) And, I mean, it's like... He's chasing you, and the 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 red and blue platforms are flipping every time you jump, or the musical blocks are moving every time the the beat goes off, and it's like no. Nah! Yeah. I'm like I said, I, I'm pretty much at the point where this is the the limit of where my my platforming expertise ends. So I'm I'm starting to really struggle with some of these levels. So I i think i'm pretty much done with the game like i i may or may not go back and unlock the final level eight but i feel like i've gotten a good 20 or 25 hours of gameplay and i just i feel like it was an awesome experience i don't feel like i'm missing out putting it down at this point i'm i'm so happy with that purchase and uh i mean there's also a lot of other games coming out for the 3ds and and the ds that i want to play like i still haven't had an opportunity to play um tales of two town on the 3ds i've only played it on the ds so i'm i'm looking forward to that excuse me on the
2: off chance that you care i can tell you that fossil fighters champions is about as much fun as the first one
1: i'm sorry what game are you referring to
2: Fossil Fighters champions.
1: Fossil Fighters. Wow. <laughs>
2: Is that for, DS, not 3DS? Yes, DS. Interesting. And Nintendo did a games- terrific job of advertising it. Can't you
1: tell? Haven't you heard all about it everywhere? Yeah, it was <laughs> one of those I games of that I played it at E3 the first year that they were showing it. And since then, I have forgotten all about it. And then someone brings it up, it's like, oh, yeah, see, that game was really good when I played it at E3. And by tomorrow you'll say, hey, if you heard of Fossil Fighters, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that that game I played at E3. I mean, it's just, it's one of those games that's, like, in one ear and out the other. It does not stick.
2: I can tell you that it, yeah, I'm remembering, like, echoes of the first game because it's very similar in certain aspects. Very similar. But... On the other hand, making a Pokemon-style game with dinosaurs, I happen to like dinosaurs, so that works. It could have been better, sure, but it it works for me, even if it's not the most memorable game ever made, or
0: even close.
3: Mr. Uh, apps, now that your Mew button is no longer stuck, <laughs> uh, is there anything you'd like to talk about?
0: Uh, The new Zelda, which I've been playing...
3: Wait, wait, wait. Let me give you my review of the new Zelda first. The box is gorgeous. I haven't opened it yet. The end.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, Uh, it's it's packed (laughs) and it's going with me on my vacation. (laughs) Yeah,
3: exactly. I'm kind of hoping to get some time to spend with it on the four day here. So, but you can talk about Mr. Apps.
0: Go ahead. Um, well, it, you know, unlike Twilight Princess, which I loved but felt very familiar, this Zelda feels quite fresh and new, and it's just a heck of a lot of fun to play, so uh, I highly recommend that to anyone that enjoys Zelda games.
3: Oh, that's good, Mister Ass. My finger was on the boot button. If you started saying like anything like <laughs> this was not worth the purchase, Beep! that would have been oh, it. Because no. I spent you know like sixty bucks or seventy bucks. You got a little <laughs> controller and everything in this box.
0: No, the controller is awesome. Uh, Motion Plus is great with the sword fighting. Uh, it, it's just. It's a ton of fun. And um...
3: You know what's really cool, Mike? When I was at the store and I swiped my credit card through and I was doing the credit card machine thing and the pen wouldn't work and I had to keep slamming it on the screen and finally it accepted and waited <laughs> for it and then the credit card declined so I had to find a different card and do that one all over, went through the whole process. It was it was just arduous. Arter, what's that word? Arter, I can't even pronounce it. Anyways, it was a lot arduous. of work. Thank you. It was just a pain in the ass. Okay, that's how we say it in the south. And then finally, the last credit card went through. She handed me the box. I held over my head. Dun, 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 dun. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Great! I completed the quest and I got Zelda. Oh,
0: that's awesome. Sorry, couldn't you help know, myself. You know what's <laughs> funny is when I went to pick it up, I kept seeing people like you know walking out of the mall with GameStop bags in their hand with about the size of the Zelda package that we must plus in it.
3: <laughs> it's different over here in Utah. They were all walking out with uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare boxes. Uh. Uh, these poor oh, children. What dude, is wrong? You would play that kind of Hello? thing.
2: Hello, really? I mean, come on, man.
3: I
0: know.
2: Perhaps. So cool. I understand by looking yeah. at your posts in the forums that you played this thing, Lord of the, Lord of the Rings: War in the North. Oh, yeah. How boy. is that?
1: Oh. No, I think the correct oh. term is the game played him. I, I mean, it, yeah. it's got Lord of the Rings. How cool is that? Yeah, you except know? for all of the technical issues that the game yeah. has. Oh come on. I mean I I sat and watched Chris and Manny play, um, because the split screen is not very good. Um, really, uh, <laughs> the split screen is bad. Terrible use of uh real estate on the screen. But even they they were using Xbox Live to play and um you've now run into this as well. Where the game will just randomly go, hmm. No, you didn't need that save.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it was kind of worse than that. You know, it wasn't didn't just, like, delete my save or anything else. Uh, my friend and I had beaten a boss and kind of, you know, stopped there. And when we went back to it, it had us at the boss again, which, you know, wouldn't be too bad. But, you know, the game decided that, you know, all those stats we had assigned and all those skills we had picked, no, we'd have to do that again it didn't much care for the choices we'd made and you know all that gear we found nah it didn't want us to have that anymore either see the
1: the first time that they ran in that Manny and Chris ran into a save bug they ran into something similar Yeah, where they had killed the boss and um they went to move forward and the game wouldn't let them continue so Manny left and Chris loaded up his save and Chris's save worked but Manny save wouldn't load unless he was in a multiplayer game, and as soon as they tried to enter into his game in multiplayer, they were back on that same boss, and they beat it, and again, they simply couldn't move forward. So Manny started over, and Chris started a new file, and partway through his new file, they they both started over, and Chris played a second file so that he could just wait at the start of Chapter 4 for Manny, and he was playing, and just the game decided that, yeah, he just really didn't need that save file anymore, and it just stopped loading. Again, it would load in a multiplayer game, but it wouldn't save, it wouldn't let him progress any further, and Yeah. The game yeah. suffers from some serious technical issues.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of issues, which is weird because I think the game was delayed from even when it was originally going to be released. So uh, yeah, like these kind of issues are inexcusable. Yeah,
1: and I mean it. It's Snowblind. Like yeah, shouldn't they know better?
0: They should. I mean, their bread and butter was this kind of game. I mean, I know it's more in more of an advanced graphical engine than they've done in the past, but...
1: Right, but uh, I mean, even some of the mechanics in the game... And this is stuff that uh, I'm rehashing a little from the RPG cast, but even some of the game mechanics don't make a lot of sense to me. Like, did you know that you can sell your no, but, equipment, your equipped equipment? It doesn't give you any warning. It doesn't give you any notice. You can just if if you click through too fast, bam, bam, bam. Oh, I just sold the boots that I was wearing. And You have to go buy them back, and they're three times as much as you got for them. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the game is just there's
0: a lot of issues, and the, the controls even are a little strange. And it, uh, I I don't know. I, I I really don't understand what happened with this game. I mean, this 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 is what Snowblind does. This this is their kind of game, and there's I uh, don't I don't even know what to say about it. it. It's just I mean, there's bits that you know the actual gameplay can be a lot of fun. You know, I was decapitating and knocking off orc limbs, even though I was playing the elf using a wooden stick. <laughs> So the the game can be fun, but everything else just drags it down. I, it, it's just it's it's a real shame. And hopefully, I can actually finish it at some point to get a review up.
1: You're you're lucky that you're playing the the healer manually because her AI is really bad.
0: Uh, well, well that, that's another thing. My friend and I were uh, I was I was playing the healer. He was playing the ranger, and the 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 dwarf guy, he, his AI was good when one of us were down, and he needed to help us. But he, like, you know, looking at the stats, he killed like nothing. He was basically useless, other than to help us out when we get get knocked down. Uh, I, I'm afraid to play the game single player and see how how bad the AI for the other two guys is going to be.
1: Well, the healer in particular, it has just like. Again, it sort of feels like, what, this is Snowblind, should they know better? Because what ends up happening is, is you have, you know how you can plant down that bubble? And you have an attack that basically explodes the bubble, right? Right. Well, what ends up happening is, is you will run towards the healer, or you will give the defensive command, and she will put up the bubble, and then immediately pop it. Ugh. And it's like, no... No, 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 no. There has got to be a better way for you to map that behavior. It's just, and this is, outside of potions, this is the only way to get healed. She's the only one with a healing spell. So it's like, you tell her to defend and heal you, and she's like, I'll heal you for like a fraction of a second. And then I'll go (laughs) back to ignoring you and having my crappy AI. Herp, derp. Mmm,
2: boy. sting is a good thing.
0: <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Well. Uh, I really had high hopes for the game, too.
1: Now that being said, talking to people who have played it and are really into Lord of the Rings, if you are a Lord of the Rings fan, play the game. It's worth it for the lore, even oh, cool. above and beyond the bugs, because you're basically slotted right into the Fellowship of the Rings story. But- and that is very cool. Yeah, and uh, I, it, you get to interact with all of the main characters. And, I, but, I mean, I I haven't read the books, and I fell asleep during the second movie. So, you know, that, that doesn't move me.
2: Okay. Um, then, I'll, then I'll just steer you toward Peter Jackson's very first movie, Bad Taste, in which a bunch of aliens invade a town in New Zealand searching for food for their intergalactic corporation. And with which you get to see a guy who fell off a cliff and has to hold his skull together with a belt or else his brains fall out. Oh. How did Peter Jackson ever get the job to do Lord of the Rings when that was his first movie? I don't know. Oh, wow. goodness. <laughs> so
3: yeah and, and you know this is this kind of goes hand in hand though with a line of thought that I kind of hold on to with a lot of games nowadays and I'm older and more patient i you know um just wait for it like six months, the thing will be like one third the price, and they might have patched up some of those bugs.
0: I really hope they patch it for <laughs> for people's sake cause it, it, it it's probably gonna need a bunch of patches.
3: Oh, he sounds like it, and, and it's, it, you know, I'm kind of one of those people who might play through, I can't remember what the other game was that I wanted to play through, that even though the gameplay wasn't that good, uh, it had to do with, uh, you know, halfway decent story and lore to it and stuff, um, it was one of the, the, the Spider-Man games, but the, you know, the, 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 the the you know the thing is like Skyrim gorgeous game and now it's a lot better and it doesn't have nearly as many bugs but the bugs are still there and sixty dollars you know wait till next November when they have the game of the year edition for thirty and you'll get the DLC and you'll get the bugs worked out by then so I'm patient <sighs> maybe if they get the bugs worked yeah. out I'll go back to that Lord of the Rings too kind of sounds interesting if it wasn't for all those darn technical issues you guys were discussing that sounds like it would take the fun out of it real fast
0: especially the save issues i mean that's the, that's the worst kind of bug you can have yeah
3: that's kind of- just no i would have i don't care how good the story was i would have gotten really ticked the first time that happened to me my time's too valuable to be screwing up my save files so um I mean, I kind of, as far as me, I mean, I, I'd echo both of you. I mean, I got uh, Mario. I've been playing that one, the 3DS one. And, um, I, you know, it's been, if you're a 3DS owner since the beginning like me, admittedly, the the uh, launch titles and the follow-up titles haven't been super great. Uh, nothing to write home about. I've still been putting more time on PSP than I have on my uh, 3DS. Uh, but Mario definitely is a is a nice step in the right direction. And I've really been enjoying my time with that real good mixture of the old uh, 2D Super Mario 3 type of thing and uh, adding in some galaxy elements. So, um, so far it's been a, been a lot of fun. Um, got the Zelda game. Looks really cool. All my friends are hyping it. I got one guy who bought the game as soon as the store opened on Sunday and played it for 15 hours straight. Oh my God! Yeah, and I'm like, dude. Now, th- I mean, you must. Ha- I'm just imagining now. He has. He, he, he. You know, he's not exactly in shape or anything. But I can imagine now. He has this. The right arm looks like rippling biceps and everything because he's been swaggling <laughs> his arm for 15 hours straight. Uh, but uh, I said, do you get waggle fatigue playing it that long? And he assures me that that wasn't really an issue. I, I don't know if you've gotten waggle fatigue or not.
0: Yeah, no, I wouldn't worry about that.
3: Okay, no whack fatigue. All you'll, right,
0: you'll be having too much fun to notice, even if you do.
3: To note, okay, because I'm a pretty lazy guy, um, so something to brag. Fine. Something to brag about there. Uh, <laughs> uh, whew, um, I heard in that, just uh, hanging out with my Pathfinder groups, playing uh, some Kingmaker and Jade Region, and all that other fun pen and paper stuff. So. Uh, Nothing terribly exciting on my end. Oh, and the burger time game, but I already talked about that. So we'll move on and finish up by reading all the legal disclaimers. RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcserva at rpgamer.com and help shape our future shows. Don't forget to follow us at twitter.com slash rpgamer and become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer. As always, listen to our previous podcasts as well as our awesome sister shows, RPG Cast and RPG Sanctum, all at rpggamer.com.
1: <sighs>
2: Mr. Mike You, you sound like Harris there <laughs> yeah,
3: Mr. Mike I think I was trying to sound like some sick twist I think I was trying to sound like Mickey Mouse after he had one too many <laughs> uh, hey, hey Goofy Get away from me Go
2: away Goofy no.
3: Not there Goofy Okay so <laughs> Mike put
2: us to bed before, before we get sued by Walt Disney World One of these games has a bigger reputation than the other. One is also better than the other. Saturn owners know which is which. Darkness has aged well for a first-person dungeon crawler from 1991. It's still a dungeon crawler from 1991. Holy Ark does a remarkable job of being a unique first-person crawler, one with elements that still haven't been incorporated elsewhere. More power to Camelot.